Hi, I'm Danny Trejo. You may know me from such films as Machete, Grindhouse, and all four Spy Kids movies. Well, I'm not only an actor, I'm also a huge fan of YouTube comments. After Miley Cyrus tortured her way into our living rooms last month, I went to Machinima and left this comment. Nice moves, Miley. Now I know what twerking is, and I like it. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. DJ Ferguson H. Y. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the new greatest show on earth. Better in the dark. Yeah. Concession stand now, get your popcorn, get the drinks, get the food. You don't want to miss a second because the show is about to start. And welcome to the show with shows better in the dog slash dope audio. Ready to start it? Reality to party. Podcast excellence, no doubt about it. Uh, we got movies, uh, we got TV, we got Tom and D. Get where you need to be so you can digest all the words they digress. Better get paper ready for the viewers they present. Uh, DJ, uh, Ferguson, Brooklyn in the house, dream team, heaven sent, but they will bust your ass if your shit come back. Call it living color, cause our homies don't play that. Facts only, fashion your facsimiles, but ain't no power greater than the BITD. So you can get with this, or you can get with that. Just know this show is where it's always Welcome at. to the big show, brought to you from the BK, home of Jay-Z and Biggie, what's really left to say to the boroughs? It's time for better in the dark. Yeah, got time on my left, Derek on my right, bust ahead, serving notice all damn night. Tell your baby mamas, it's time for better in the dark. Yeah, and we out. And until we get back in touch with you. So watch that rabbit. Right, so <laughs> Tonight, we are going to inject somebody into the Hall of Great Great Men. Somebody who I think we're inducting not only because of his contribution to the film, but to his contribution to the greater good of the people around him. This is a man who I'm a fan of because of the way he lives his life as much as for the films that he has appeared in. And he's appeared in a lot of great films. He's a great character actor. Perhaps the baddest Mexican on the face of the planet, Mr. Danny Trejo. Tom and I said we're going to induct somebody into the Better in the Dark Great Great Men Hall of Fame, and we're going to do it before he dies. Yeah, unfortunately, to, we've been doing that we're lately. We're not going to wait until yeah. the guy passes away before we do the right thing by him. And for quite a while, we have been talking about this gentleman because, as Tom says, the way that he lives his life. The guy is an authentic badass. Yeah. When he does the things he does on screen, that's not an actor. Well, he is an actor, but you've seen the guy that's drawing on his real-life experiences and what he's been through. Let me just run through his bio real quickly, so get that out the way, then we can get into a discussion of his mm-hmm. film career. Danny Trejo was born on May 16, 1944. He was born in the Echo Park neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. He's the son of Alice Rivera and Dan Trejo, who were construction and Danny Trejo is, of course, as we said, mm-hmm. Mexican descent. One thing I did not know, that he is actually related to Robert Rodriguez. Oh, I did not know that either. Yeah. Matter of fact, they didn't know it themselves mm-hmm. until 
he started working for him. And then I guess they talked. Yeah, but he's a cousin. They found out that they're related. Throughout the 1960s, Danny Trejo was in and out of jail and prison in California. He, by one account, his final stint in custody ended in 1972. By another account, he did time in the juvenile offenders camp in six California prisons between 1959 and 1969. His last prison term was uh, five years. While serving in San Quentin prison, he became a champion boxer and lightweight and welterweight within that prison. During that time, Danny Trejo became a member of a 12-step program, which he credits with his success in overcoming drug addiction. In 2011, he recalled that he had been sober for 42 years, which, folks, is amazing. It's amazing, because this was a guy, and I remember watching an interview with him not too long ago, where he had talked about the things that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. It was his uncle that got him into crime. He said his uncle was the type yeah. of guy who would have $5,000 in his pocket and would go into a gas station and rob it for 60 bucks right. just for the hell of it. He was addicted to cocaine, meth, all these different things. He was a gangbanger. He was did the fact that this man was that deeply into that criminal lifestyle and pulled himself out and became the person he is today is a testament to me to the human spirit. Right. Whenever you start thinking about, oh, human beings are rotten and miserable. Yes. Think about people like Danny Trejo, right. who completely turned their life around and now is a role. And roller. then decided to pay it outwards and devote his life to making other people's right. life better than they are. Exactly. Say what you want about the guy. The guy has, to me, is an inspiration. Mm -hmm. He's a testament to what you can do if you really want it bad enough. When people start crying about, oh, man, I can't change my life. My life is like this. My life is like that. My life is like this. Well, this was a guy who was in five fucking prisons. And yeah, and trust me, people, no matter how bad your life sucks, his life was pretty bad at that time. Yeah, this is a guy who was in five prisons. Right. And when he came out, wasn't bitter. Went to college. He got education. Went to the 12-step program, beat his addictions, beat his demons. And has now, become a sponsor for countless people. Yeah. Works hard in his community to better the life of the people that he grew up around. Yeah. Well, he probably said, well, Rob, the body. <laughs> yeah, let me, give, let me give something back to them. Let me read his filmography just real quickly. His film career began in 1985 when he accidentally landed a role in a runaway train playing a boxer for a daily fee of $320. He went on to star in a multitude of other movies, with the more notable ones being Desperado, mm -hmm. From Dust Till Dawn, Con Air, Reindeer mm -hmm. Games, and Grindhouse. In 2010, Trejo appeared in the Robert Rodriguez-directed exploitation sequel, Machete, Machete, as the main protagonist, Machete. <laughs> it is cited as his first major film role. The success of Machete spawned the production of a sequel, Machete Kill. <laughs> According to website The Numbers, motion pictures featuring Trejo, either as a leading or supporting actor, have been total gross more than $2 billion worldwide. Trejo has been cast in many television programs, including Baywatch, where he portrayed different characters for different episodes. Other than film and television appearances, Trejo has also been featured in a handful of music videos, and he voiced the character Umberto Robina for the video game Grand Theft Auto Vice mm -hmm. City and himself in Call of Duty Black Ops. Wow. And the thing was, he became an actor purely by accident. He was doing time in San Quentin Prison, the, his last stretch, and he was hired by the production company uh, who was producing Runaway Train, Runaway Train yeah. to train Eric Roberts how to bop. He became friends with Roberts and with the people in the... And they actually put him in the movie with yeah. his first film role. And he 
decided I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. It kind of reminds me because he was hired to train a guy to be a boxer mm -hmm. for that scene. But the director of the movie looked at him and said, why am I paying this knucklehead to act like a boxer when I, I got a, pay, boxer, I pay a boxer? Pay a boxer. Pay a boxer. It reminds me of Arlie Ermey from Full Milk Jacket. Why do Jacket. I have this knucklehead playing a playing drill, drill sergeant when I have him play the drill right. sergeant? My earliest memory of a movie that I've seen him in, I probably saw him in yeah. many other movies. Before that was in he he was one of Robert De Niro's gang and know? of course the thing is Michael Mann as we know as far back as Crime Story and even before I'm sure liked to cast people who had been criminals yeah. as his criminals Crime Story Paulie played by John Santucci who was a jewel thief yeah he was a jewel thief right and in fact the the pilot of Crime Story the heist is based on a heist that. Santucci pulled the off. The actual high that he did, yeah. Yeah, so I, I can see men looking at this guy who's just out of prison and is showing his 8x5s around, looking for work and saying, yeah, I, I can use this guy. I, I can use this guy. That was the first movie that I can remember he was in. And even seeing him in there, I said, yeah, this guy's got something authentic about him. That's something that you can't fake, the authenticity that he has. You can tell he's not just playing a tough guy. He's drawing on something right. internal because he actually is a yeah. tough guy. God only knows what he had to do to survive in them five prisons, exactly. but I'm sure it wasn't pretty. No. I'm sure he did what he had to do. Desperado, that's another movie. He played the guy with the knives, knives in, one, yes. in one point. Yeah, he became a Robert Rodriguez regular. In fact, it has been confirmed that Uncle Machete in the Spy Kids movies <laughs> is, in fact, the machete we've seen in two major motion pictures, although one of them we're not fond of. It would really be interesting if Robert Rodriguez could do a movie to see how he went from this brutal subhuman killer yeah. to being the kind of literate yes. Uncle Machete because, yes. man, he was making a guess right. and just, okay, well, how did he get from there to there? <laughs> so we need another movie. Yeah. The show was how he became um, Uncle Machete. But I don't think I could see another Spy Kids movie. Don't and you know why. Don't steal my line. That's your line, but I had to bring that that's line That's my up. line. I gave away my Spy Kids you don't DVDs. You don't look like what's in the book anymore. Yeah. And if you've seen Machete kills, then you know what I'm talking about. Alexa oh, Vega. Oh my god. Who was in the Spy Kids movie. She grew up nice. Oh my <laughs> lord. And when she turned around and, and you realized she that went, she had the assless chest oh, on. My like, god. Oh Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I gave away to a kid about five doors down and because I can't look at him again. Right. Because she's a little girl in there. And knowing that she becomes yeah. this incredibly yeah. busty, curvy, yeah. hot tamale thing. And I already have too many pervy old man crushes <laughs> on my sins. Remember Mariam Bialik, I yeah. think was her name? I had a crush on her. I'm glad she's in her 30s now, so now mm -hmm. I don't feel so bad. I would like to see a movie so we could see how he went from that to being the kindly, friendly mm -hmm. Uncle Machete. <laughs> you and I were talking about yeah. that, and we were talking about how disappointed we were in Machete are. Kills. Now, I have somebody, I think it was Tobias Christopher yeah. from the Better in the Dark on Facebook page, and he was saying that his theory about difference between yeah. Machete and Machete Kills is that keeping in mind that this is following the Grindhouse thing, 60 spy movies became in vogue, and that's right. what Machete Kills was trying to evoke. I could deal with the spy movie bullshit. We went over the plot of this film where we were saying, I could deal with cosplay Dennis Miller with the, the yeah. dead man switch attached to his heart. I could deal with that part. I could deal with him having the Aztec temple as his headquarters. Mm -hmm. The film falls off a cliff for me when Danny Trejo wakes up in the Lazarus pit. Yeah, once that happened, I said, okay, well, I'm out. 
You can have spy movie, or you can have science fiction. You can't have yeah, both. Yeah, the first one was a down and dirty exploitation movie. It fairly, for what it was, was fairly kind of realistic. Yeah. This one is just swings too much in the yeah. other direction. It becomes well, pure fantasy. The moment that they get into that land speeder and Mel Gibson says, oh, Yeah. What can I say? I'm a Star Wars fan. And all the yeah. Star Wars gimmicks start showing up. Because then it starts to look like a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. Then they have Michelle Rodriguez get frozen inside the carbonite. The carbonite. Yeah. And Although, whatever you think of Mel Gibson, that was a performance. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. that. Mel Gibson didn't have to give a performance that good. God knows he could have just came, been Mel Gibson, picked up a check. Yeah. No, he actually took time to craft There was the obviously actual, thought going uh, into right. that character. He cast the actual performance. One of the other problems with the film, and we've talked about this, is that there's so much new toys Robert Rodriguez wants to play with that he kind of forgot that this was a film called Machete Kills, and it was supposed to be about a guy named Machete. <laughs> but you're right. I'm not doubting that. Because he wants to show, here's the secret agent whose cover is the beauty contestant. Here's cosplay Dennis Miller. And, and actually, the beauty contestant, that was a good but character. But that was a waste of perfectly good Amber Heard. I, I, I like that yeah. character a lot. See, I can see a movie about that character. See, okay, let's say Robert Rodriguez, for some bizarre reason, had called us up and said, hey, you want to write a machete movie? And let's have Amber Heard be the sidekick. Let Miss San Antonio, she's called in the film, she could she be the sidekick. She would have been his Mrs. Fields. I could deal with cosplay, Miller. cosplay Dennis Miller. I can deal with cosplay Dennis Miller being the pawn of Mel Gibson. All the science fiction stuff in the back. See, what happened is that Robert Rodriguez forgot the concept mm -hmm. of his own character. The concept of his character, which he put down himself, was that Machete is a guy that the American government... Yeah. They pay him money that he thinks is a lot yeah. of money, but it's actually not to go into Mexico yeah. and do the job. They can't send Americans in because they would stand out. Right. So they say, okay, we'll go and find this drug lord and we'll give you $10,000. Yeah. And he thinks he's getting yeah. a fortune, but it's peanuts. And we go in there and we see him. What does he do? He uses a machete. He cuts right. people up. That's why they call him machete. machete. Like that great scene in the first movie where he opens up that coat and yeah. he's got machetes all machete. over there. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, that's machete. And machete kills when he picks up the inside Audi gun. That's not machete. Machete don't any Audi. Oh, and let's say <laughs> that he says machete don't blank far too much in this yeah. sequel. He says that once in the first film, machete don't text, and it's a great laugh and it's, line. It's a great laugh line. Everybody, but in this one, oh. Machete don't text, machete don't text. Okay. And actually, in this one, machete does text. Because he's got to text Miss San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. Because it becomes machete don't tweet. Since now he's yeah, now, yeah, now he don't tweet. Which means he couldn't get a hold of us. No. <laughs> Which we may be grateful for. <laughs> but yeah. we want to say to y'all guys out there, in no way at all do we hold Danny Trejo oh, responsible no. I mean, for... part of the problem what? is not enough Danny Trejo. Yeah, because we've got all these other characters yeah. that are thrown at us, like the chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a good character. It was a good but character, but, and I right, liked the gimmick. Rodriguez should have saved that for yeah. another movie. Hell, we could have done just Machete versus the Chameleon. You and go. you could have had like a half a dozen actors playing the Chameleon, because that was the gimmick yeah, of the Chameleon, yeah. is that his disguise is so good... He makes Ethan Hunt flush. <laughs> so he, he enters into the film and he's Walter Goggins. Yeah. <laughs> and then Walter Goggins pulls off his mask and he becomes Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr. <laughs> then Cuba Gooding Jr. pulls off his mask and he becomes Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> 
And then later on, we don't see him pull off the mask, but he shows up as Antonio Banderas. And let me tell you something. Watching those scenes between Danny Trejo and Antonio Banderas, the only thing I could think of was how I wish I was watching uh, Desperado versus Machete. Versus Machete, yeah. Although I have since changed my opinion. I think we need to get in, in touch with the two guys who made the Crank films. Machete versus Chevchelius. Yeah. Well, they will not? destroy all of San Antonio. Why not have them both? Let's have them both fight and there'll be nothing left at the end of it. The movie is full of great characters. If there is a flaw of it, and I never thought I'd be saying that, but that's one of the flaws of the movie. It's too many good characters yeah. in one movie. We haven't even mentioned the president. Played by Martin Estevez. Yes. (laughs) Or our girl from Modern Family, Sophia Vergara, who is having an absolute ball. Oh, my gosh. She's having so much fun. And and she's just forgotten halfway through the film. Rodriguez makes it a point to show that she survived and then forgets about her. After she makes that last effort to kill Machete, she literally walks off the movie. Yeah. We don't hear about her. Of course, she's included in the trailer. Right. Or that we get machete kills again. In space! (laughs) Oh my lord. And all of a sudden it becomes Moonraker. Yeah, to me that was the most bizarre thing about it because I'm listening to Mel Gibson explain this scheme and I'm wishing I was watching a better movie. And then I said, holy shit, wait a minute. That's the same shit that you know Drax was going to do? Exactly. Although, I gotta say, one of the biggest problems, I think, is that there's so many new characters and Rodriguez wants to play with them. The ones that we wanted to see again, we don't get enough of. Nah. For the first hour of this movie, only thing we see Michelle Rodriguez doing is doing her best Nick Fury impersonation. Yeah. Because as I was saying to you on the phone, what I liked about the movie that in the first one, she was running the network literally out of this dilapidated warehouse. And now in Machete Kills, what has she got? She's got the yeah. shield hell carry. Nurse Mona and Nurse Lisa show up, and nothing happens. Although we do get to see them in Zatanna. Zatanna wear. Very Zatana, fetching, Zatana man. Zatanna wear, yes. yes. So there is that. There is that. <laughs> no, all of them and Michelle Rodriguez look mighty fine. That, yeah, those, those surfing yeah, outfits. Yeah. Don't get us wrong, folks. The movie has its perks. But right. I, for one, very disappointed. And this is the biggest problem. It's not enough to name Trejo. The whole conceit of the first Machete film is it's a standard, grimy, revenge melodrama with the pretty boy of the week being replaced by 69-year-old Danny Trejo. Yeah, there you go. Who is still banging all the chicks, beating up all the badasses, and behaving like the pretty boy of the week, whether it was Red Brown or Michael Pere, whoever it was that week. Only it's Danny Trejo trundling along. And you had said to me, talking about it, you said that you doubted that we were going to see Machete Kills in space because of the disappointing box office yeah, of the, this one. In fact, I can, should probably look that up so I can get the exact... Because I know yeah. me and Patricia saw it, so help me. There was only one other guy that was in the theater, and me and him talked after the movie. I said, okay, well, what yeah. did you think of it? I said, did you see the first one? He said, yeah. He said, the first one was a lot better, right? That's okay. the way it was. The budget for Machete Kills, $20 million. The final gross has of this week... $6,412,000. As much as there are a lot of people that we know on the Better in the Dark board who love this film, which yeah, surprised uh, me. Uh, it surprised me, too. I said, really? But it does look like it's not going to happen. I got responses from people who had read, my, what else who I read my review on the Ferguson Theater, and they said, man, you were yeah. really off base with this one. I said, really? You think so? They said, oh, man, that was a great movie. Okay. The other thing that kind of bothered me about the film was the way it almost flipped the original film's political agenda on its head. Good point. The first film was very pro-Mexican, 
pro-immigration experience, whereas this one, hell, it's, the film starts with Machete being brought in to the president's office, played by Charlie Sheen, and being given American citizenship. I was kind of uncomfortable with yeah. the way that scene was worded. Charlie Sheen, pretty sure he says this, and if he didn't, please somebody correct me. He says, well, if you do this job for me, I'm going to give you whatever yeah. Mexican citizen dreams of. American citizenship. Yeah. As soon as I stamp this motherfucker, bam, and he stamps it. Yeah. And it's got on this, a U.S. motherfucking citizen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you and I have talked about this. The way that they had slayed the president in that film made me think that he was going to be part of the plot. Because that would be a typical 70s grindhouse. But it never happened. He was just foul-mouthed son of a bitch. Unless he planned on saving that for yeah, but there isn't going to be a third one. No, well, that kind of made me uncomfortable because the whole first movie, Machete, was so full of Mexican pride. To me, that was kind of curious that that scene would be in there and that Machete wouldn't jump up and cut the president's head off, yeah. which is what the Machete of the first movie right. would have did. Or his hand off before he stamped it. He did something, but he just sat there and said, okay, I'll take the job for you. I said, it seemed like they were trying to make him into a literal superhero at this point. We see him survive a hanging. He gets bulleted to death, but he, he takes a bath in the Lazarus pit, and he's good as new. He's surrounded by guys with automatic weapons. Right. And he gets filled full of lead, as they used to say back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there saying, well, damn, how are they going to bring him out of this one? Then he wakes up, he's in the Lazarus pit, and I say, oh, man, that's a cheat. And, and the other thing... I, think, I said, see, that's a cheat. Yeah. The other that's thing that cheap. bugged the hell out of me was after... Rodriguez builds up this Miss San Antonio character and makes us like her. And we think that she's a worthy addition to the Machete mythology. Mm -hmm. She turns coat for, like, the weirdest reason. That's so arbitrary because she says, he promised me that I'm going to win the next pageant. But see, that's not the point for you to win. The point is that's your cover to to travel again. Your point is for you to compete. See, this is what I said. Rodriguez didn't understand his characters in this one. The point is not for you to win the competition. It's for you to have a cover to travel around the country, to have a legitimate reason, to be seen in all these different places. We need you for a mission in New York. Okay, go compete in a beauty pageant there. Okay, we need you in a mission in Canada. Right, exactly. That's the point. It's not to win. Miss Back Bacon. It's not the point for you. It never was the point for you to win, stupid. Because, yeah. <laughs> see, now that makes me so mad that now I want to put a character like that in one of my Dylan novels oh, to help him out. Yeah. Just to show how it should be done right. Oh, man. Such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. This is probably, I mean, he's 69 years old. Not that we're wishing any ill will on you, Danny. We wish nothing but long life to you. Oh, absolutely. For all the bad that you did as a youth, all the positive energy you put back into this world makes that time minuscule. What we should mention here is that, because I'm looking at his output of movies, and I know I've seen them myself when I went to Walmart. He's doing a lot of straight-to-DVD. This is another example of him giving back to the people. He says, I'm grateful for my film life, and I want to help up-and-coming people. He will come and work for scale. Yeah. He will come and do a, a couple of days on your student film for scale. And maybe, you know, obviously he can't say this publicly, but bet even less than scale. Because he said, in an interview I heard, he honestly enjoys working with new filmmakers. Yeah. And he likes being able to give them help mm-hmm. at this early part of his career. So he'll appear, he'll go anywhere. Well, it's all about the work for him yeah. at this point. And he likes doing the work. And when you have work that you mm-hmm. enjoy doing, it's not like work. I've heard many artists that they say you really enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. And you right. can see that he truly enjoys what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's having a great time acting in these movies. 
no matter what it is. And it could be a $100 million blockbuster thing. Right. Or like a student film. Yeah. It's all work to him. Hell, we could hire him. I wish I could. <laughs> we ever get a movie together. If I was going to do a movie. but I, I would definitely hire him. I don't think so. I think I'd be a lousy director. Let me direct then. Okay, you can direct. There we go. I'm going to direct. Okay. I think you'd be better at it. Than See, me, I don't have any patience. As we know from what happened. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I, don't have, I, don't have, I really don't. I don't have patience. I'm not like that. From what I know of the movie business, right. I don't think I have that type of patience. So shall we go through some of his films? Absolutely. Okay. We briefly touched on Runaway Train. Yeah. We got The Hidden two years later. That great Jack Scholl third film. Because first film was Alone in the Dark. Second film was Freddy Goes Gay. This was his third film. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Freddy Goes Gay. Yes. I got you. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Ah! <laughs> crackdown! Speaking of people who turn into superheroes, at that point, the Crackdown! Charles Bronson's character in Death Wish was a superhero. Yeah, by that time. This is the one with the street gang. He goes yeah. back, Martin Balsam is mm-hmm. his buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie ends with him. They're walking down yeah. the street like Old West gunslingers, <laughs> shooting people <laughs> off a rooftop. Yeah. Charles Bronson got an M60. Yeah. In his bare hands, he told it. Never mind that the barrel would be getting too hot, that he couldn't mm-hmm. hold it. That is a totally demented movie. Then we've got Kinjete, <laughs> Forbidden Subjects. Bronson Another movie. Charles Bronson movie. The one where famously Charles Bronson takes a Yakuza's watch mm-hmm. and feeds it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, strange movie, though. Guns, which was his first working with a certain person that we both admire, Andy Sidaris. Oh, okay. Maniac Cop 2, written by, of course, another great, great man Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen. Whore. What'd you call me? I didn't call you Whore. No, Whore was the name of the film. That oh. was the Ken Russell film with Teresa oh, Russell. Oh, Teresa Russell. Yeah, okay. So I bring that up because, of course, I find Ken Russell infinitely funny. Is that the movie where she masturbates with the aluminum dildo? I think so. <laughs> oh. And you know right now there are people that I said, wait a minute, did he yeah, say yeah. what I think? <laughs> he starts doing Baywatch. He starts doing, of course, that show that you and I have talked about that I love, Reasonable Doubts, with uh, Marley Matlin. Oh, yeah. Blood In, Blood Out. The Growing Up Latino Gangster film. Yeah, no, I never saw it. Okay. Desperado, of course. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about Heat. We've talked about from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, oh, where he plays the bartender. The bartender, at the titty, titty Twister, Twister. Renegade. That's probably the one movie. Because as much as I love Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. the man should stop acting in his own. Movie. Yeah, he's as bad as Spike Lee with that. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee's another one that doesn't need to act in his own movie. But that role that he plays in that movie, I can watch that one right. from Dust Till Dawn. For some reason, he is disturbingly convincing yeah. as a sociopath. Con Air, where, of course, Michael Bay uh, calls up everybody who looks slightly disreputable in Hollywood and says, hey, you want to make a movie? Probably the only Michael Bay movie I have seen more than once. And oddly enough, they once asked Danny Trejo mm-hmm. in an interview who he thought was a badass in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And the person he said was John Cusack. He said, it's not the people you think it is. It's the people that don't have to pump their chests and say how great they are. That are the badasses. It's like that line in The Magnificent Seven mm-hmm. where the guys are looking for you gunslingers. And one of the Mexican peasants says, well, why don't we get that guy? The guy with all the scars on his face. And the other one says, no, we want the cat who gave him the scars on the face. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Brenda looks at him yeah. approvingly, gives him a thumbs up and says, you learned it. <laughs> yes. Of course, we mentioned briefly Reindeer Games, which is the last theatrical film directed by another great, great man Hall of Famer, John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer, yeah. With our good buddy on there, 
Ben Affleck. He was part of the Hire series. You remember the Hire series? BMW. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember okay. Clive Owen was Clive the Owen was the driver, right. The, they went to, I think it was six different directors. Yeah, John Woo. Yeah. Michael, Michael, Michael Ritchie had the one where... What was the one with James Brown played the devil? Well, this one says beat the devil, so I have to assume that this is the one. Oh, okay. But the thing about the Hire, of course, was that... Let me just say this about Michael Ritchie. I know he was married with Madonna for a long time, but... Mm. They must have had some weird relationships. Every time he ever directed her, he did something to humiliate her. Because remember, that's the one where she pees herself? Yeah. Kind of like yeah. you know, your Argento and his daughter. What do they talk about at the dinner table, I wonder? The hire. I remember watching this because one of the cable stations, I don't know if it was HBO, they put the whole thing together so yeah. you could watch them all at one time. And I had mm-hmm. seen them. And I remember one of them, James Brown played the devil. I'm sure I could find it online. Somewhere. A film that is getting a sequel, I don't know why, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. You know like Anchorman? I don't get it. Sorry. I know everybody else I know thinks it's the greatest. I just don't get it. I watched it. You know the only scene that I thought was really what? inspired? Which that one? Was really fun? They had the scene where the rival newscasters were rival gangs. Right. They got together they, 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 they had the role. Yeah. station, right? Yeah, that was kind of funny. Ben Stiller was one of them. Yeah, Ben Stiller was one of them. That was a very funny Saturday Night Live skit dropped into yeah. the middle of this other one. Because I watched it, and I don't dislike it as much as you, but I don't like it either. And like you, I mm-hmm. kind of don't get it. Right. But then again, I've always seen Will Ferrell as being Chevy Chase life. I don't dislike him, but I don't rush out to right. see. Arguably, Rob Zombie's best film, The Devil's Rejects. Yeah, which I call Sam Peckinpah on the <laughs> Let's not forget, of course, he was in that film that you love by your girl, Anna Faris. Smiley oh, yeah, face. he was in Smiley Face. He's one of the guys that she did the speech to. The speech to, yeah. And matter of fact, folks, if you want to see Danny Trejo in a rare comedic role, this is yet another reason for you to watch Smiley Face. She gives him the, the speech at the end, and I never spoil it for people. I say, because you got to see how the speech ends up. <laughs> of course, I mean, a lot of television, including Breaking Bad, Stargate Atlantis, he was in Alias. Let me tell you about this episode of Breaking Bad. You know how he ends up his eventual fate? Uh-huh. The DEA agents find his head in the desert on the back of a turtle. And the turtle <laughs> is just crawling across the desert. Oh, Lord. Because that was his name in the show. He was supposed to be a drug lord, right. but he actually was a DEA informant. And his own people found out about him. They're looking through the binoculars, and they see something crawling on the desert floor. And they can't make out, well, what the hell is this? And they drive in the truck, and they go around, and there's a big tortoise. And yeah. Trejo's head is sitting yeah. like that. <laughs> oh, he seems to have his head removed from his body a lot, because he also had his head removed in Predators. Right, he was in Predators. Right. Okay. He's the type of guy that once you start talking about his movie, yeah. yeah, he was in that one. Yeah, he was in that one. Too. Oh, man, you know, he was in that one. Wow, that guy. A very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. I didn't see that one. The whole Harold and Kumar thing played out. Once again, another one of these things I did not get. Well, you know why you didn't get it? Why? Because you're not a stoner. You're not a stoner, yeah. There were certain things that were in that movie. The whole White Castle thing, I got it. Because Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager and I was smoking dude, that's what we did. We actually went and we would get a whole Mm -hmm. bag 48 White Castle hamburgers. And we'd sit in the car and we would devour it. We were swallowing yeah. it. It's, again, one of those movies. I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other day. Yeah. The Gentleman Guide to the movie, Midnight Cinema. Midnight yeah. Cinema. Will and Sam. And they were going on and on and everybody talking about Monster Squad. 
And I said, well, I don't get it. I don't it. get it either. It's one of Des Reddick's favorite movies. I don't get it. Here's my theory. I think you have to be at a certain age when yeah, you saw it to appreciate it. And I didn't see the Monster Squad until I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe that's why it didn't resonate for me. Fright Night, the yeah. original one. That's another one I don't get. To me, it's a very cheap-looking, cruddy movie that's not very interesting. But people, you mentioned Fright Night, they go crazy. But I think that you just have to be of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Or oh, like the Goonies. Don't get uh, again, I don't get the Goonies. It's okay, mm-hmm. but I don't get However, it. However, we do get Mad Monster Party. That's because we were a certain... I remember I was a certain age, yeah. At the Cross Bay Theater on a Saturday matinee. See, that's what I'm saying. This is my theory. Mad Monster Party, and I've got that on my queue already to watch it tomorrow. Because yeah. I always watch that every Halloween. That, House on Haunted Hill, and The Pit and the Pendulum. But I watched it at a certain age. Because it used to come on Channel 11. Yeah. Or Channel 9 every Halloween. On top of all these movies and TV shows, he has appeared in the following music videos. Attitude by Sepultura. Double Blade by Jay Cho. Bartender by Rehab. Like Yeah by Tech 9 Sebring by Do It Live featuring Danny Trejo. Do you know what that means? What? Danny Trejo sings. He sings? <laughs> and what's the name of that? Sebring. I'm going to have to look that up on YouTube. Open Your Eyes by Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. And Whistle Disky by Yellow Wolf. And We Are the Party by the Ex-Girlfriends. Okay. So he gets around. <clears throat> we Are the Party by the Ex-Girlfriends. I like that. Yes. When you suggested this, I said we have to do this <clears throat> because, I mean, this is a man. And I wish more people would realize what a role model he is. Because here is a guy who is a legitimate badass. Who chooses not to get mixed up who chooses to use his ability to be a badass for positive ways. Yeah. I think it was Sun Tzu who said, the mark of a great warrior is not how many times you draw your sword, but how many times you don't you draw don't draw your sword. And Danny Trejo lives his life by this. He knows if somebody gets in his face, he could beat the crap out of him, mm-hmm. even at 69 years old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I have no doubt he could, because this is a cat that looks like, and I've seen pictures of him with his shirt off and yeah. in the movie, Machete, he's with his shirt. Mm-hmm. Those muscles are real. Those muscles right. aren't fake. I have no doubt that if somebody got in his face, he could pound them in the peanut butter without losing a step. He chooses not to, and in fact, would probably choose to talk to the guy and try to get him on the right path. Well, yeah, that's one other thing in martial arts. You have to beat the shit out of somebody. Well, you you've already lost. You've lost fight, yeah. Right. Because you should be able to talk your way or talk them down or whatever it is. I, I, martial I arts should not be used as a weapon, but and, as a tool. And I know several guys, well, I knew, I've lost touch with them, but I knew guys that were black belt, that were proud of their ability, mm-hmm. that they didn't have to fight, that they could talk somebody down and not have to break their neck. I gotta say, though, I'm particularly fascinated by the fact that he plays himself in Call of Duty Black Ops. What, at one point they have to go to Danny Trejo for something? Yeah, well, listen. Well, okay, if you're a Black Ops unit, who better to go to than Danny Trejo? Yeah, well, who else are you gonna go to? Michael Sarah? <laughs> Okay, I would pay for that movie, though. Jesus. I would think that would be Michael Sarah has. It turns out he's the master killer of all. <laughs> I would pay for that movie. Danny Trejo and Michael Sarah is the master killer. <laughs> oh, my God. 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 I got a movie. I got a movie. Okay. Danny Trejo's this retired hitman. It's like the mechanic, right? He's like okay. a legendary hitman. And he's living his life in the Southwest somewhere on a ranch. In the middle of the nowhere, nobody bothers him. Nobody bothers him. He's sitting there with his tequila, watching the cows. Little Michael Sarah comes up. I want to learn how to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got to do my mic. I want to learn how to kill people. Now, see, I go see Michael Sarah in that movie. <laughs> him and Danny Trail. Yeah. I don't kill people. I know, but I want to 
but I want to kill people. <laughs> you would just be showing me yeah, how, to to kill, kill how to kill people. You would actually be killing them. Who's going to know? Exactly. <laughs> this would work. God help me. This, this would, would work. This would work. Oh, my God. You see what happens around here, people? You see, now I can't get this idea out of my mind. Go home and write a synopsis. <laughs> and we'll start on the screenplay. First of the year. And we'll send it to him. Who knows? The badass and the douchebag. Well, I don't think we'd get away with that title. Well, right? Like Michael Sarah douchebag? I'm opposed to calling people douchebags. Okay. Just on general principle. Fair enough. Because I feel that that's, as usual in our society these days, especially with the internet, certain phrases get overused. Mm-hmm. And douchebag is used to describe anybody at any time for any reason at all. Especially when people that are using the phrase don't know what the fuck they're talking about, quite frankly. As you know as well as I do, in this internet age, people tend to read stuff about people and then they act upon it as if they personally know that person. Mm -hmm. You don't know that person personally. You don't know anything about them, about what happened, the circumstances, what happened. You and I both know that people think that the internet gives them infinite power, has witnessed by the way the internet had a massive hissy fit and still is over Ben Affleck being Batman. Oh, yeah. Where they thought that we're going to have a petition and send it to Warner Brothers and they'll know we're serious. Like, Warner Brothers give a fuck about what you think. Warner Brothers just look at the sack of money it just got from us FedEx to them by little poor kids in Bolivia. Open up the bag, take out a $100 bill, roll it up, smoke it. People like to think, especially people like that, and you know what I'm talking about. I've read posts online in Facebook where everything is douchebag this, douchebag that, douchebag this, this, that. Okay, and so-and-so is a douchebag, but what are you doing? He's, oh, yeah, Ben Affleck, he's a douchebag. The man has made movies. The man has given money to charity. The man has flown overseas. He's flown right. to Haiti. He's flown to South America. He's flown to Katrina. He's donated his time, his yeah. money, and his effort to helping other people. What have you done? Stop calling people douchebags, folks. That's all I'm saying. Say that for people who really deserve to be called douchebags. Stop flinging shit around and you don't know what you're talking about. That's the Dirk Ferguson rant All right, of this there you episode. Go. Of this episode, that's right. <laughs> you and I have talked about this. One of the reasons I have utter respect for Steve Buscemi. Tell the story. Steve, Testify, brother. Before Steve Buscemi gave it up to become an actor, he was a New York City fireman. And he went on, as everybody knows, to become a very well-known, very well-respected character actor. But he continues to live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. where he grew up. When 9-11 happened, you remember this as well as I could hear, yeah. all these movie stars came out with boxes of donuts to bring to the people who mm-hmm. were working the excavation site and just visiting for photo op. What did Steve Buscemi do? He went to his old firehouse. That's right. He reported in to his watch commander, said, give me a uniform, give me the gear, point me to where you need me. Yeah, use me. What do you need me What do you need me for? Didn't ask for any recompense, didn't have photographers with him. The only reason we knew about this was several days later, one of the other people in that firehouse called up the Howard Stern show. Right, yeah, and told him. Yeah. And said, Howard, I want to tell you about this because this guy didn't want any publicity. Mm-hmm. But damn it, I think he deserves it. I think yeah. he's a real hero. And he is. That's putting your money away. And by all means, we're not knocking the celebrity. Yeah. You do what you can. See, he was trained to do this. Since he had been a crime, there were certain things he was trained to do. Bringing us back to our guest of honor, Danny Trejo puts his money where his mouth is. He does a lot of work with drug rehabilitation centers. Yeah, exactly. He does a lot of outreach through the LAPD to gang. He uses his celebrity in every way, shape, or form to make life better. And this is why... In my mind, he's a hero. This is why, in my mind, he's a person to be admired and as a role model. And that is why 
Today we are proud to induct him into the Better in the Dark. Great, all great, great, great men. men. The funny thing is you'll probably find out about this because I know that he is on my Facebook. We're going to send him a link to this. Yes. I've actually reached out to him. Never got, obviously, because I'm sure that he's a busy man. But I did reach out to him. I said, if you ever would like to come on the show and talk to us, we would be honored. I'll send him a link to yeah. my review of yeah. Michelle Dayo. But he's a busy man. Right. I understand that. You don't answer me. I quite understand. Right. But yeah, by all means, let's send him a link to this. Right. Know, if he listens to it and if he does, fine. If he doesn't, that's still fine. <laughs> Mucho gusto. Mucho gusto, Senora Trejo. Gracias. Para todo tu uh, ayuda. Very good. Ah. <laughs> you know what I just said? No, but okay. I hope it was something very I said, respectful. <laughs> I said, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Trejo. Thank you for all your help. And I echo 100%. God, and I supposed to sound like he's like, who's this gringo talking in broken Spanish? <laughs> Honest to God, I am trying to learn Spanish. It's just that I'm still at this point where every time I try to use it, mm -hmm. I feel three years old. When I was a teenager, I did used to speak pretty good Spanish with my first girlfriend. You had mentioned Mr. Spanish. Spanish. She taught me, and that's what one of my regular customers says. Why are you messing around with those Berlitz tapes? You want to learn Spanish? It's like pointing to my friend Ralphie. Talk to him! That's how I learned how to speak yeah. Spanish, because she would point at something, and she would just tell yeah. me the Spanish word for it, and when I was with her, she would insist we speak in Spanish that's together. Right. That's it, and I got to know a little bit more of it. Yeah. I was no means would I consider myself bilingual. Right. But I could carry on a simple conversation with another Spanish Well, I just find we have a lot of customers at the store who mm -hmm. have very limited to almost no English. And even though my Spanish is very limited, although I've been told that my pronunciation is extremely good, I find that many of those customers do relax. They come in and they're nervous though the person they see are two Korean people and a white person. So I usually I'll say to them, Yo creo piquito espanol. Right. Yo creo piquito inglés. Together, and then do that, knowing that I'm trying to meet them halfway. Halfway, yeah. and you can see puts how them it at ease. Yeah, you, I'm about to say that you can see how it puts them at ease. Okay, relaxes. Well, you can see relax, how right. relaxed they are, and they feel more comfortable with me. And then we can proceed on. Because when I worked for the Board of Education, I knew enough Spanish so that if a Spanish person walked in and they didn't speak mm -hmm. English, I knew enough so that they could tell me where they wanted to go. I could at yeah. least point them in the right direction. I even picked up sign language school I worked at, the second floor was just for deaf students. Right. So they assigned me to work on that floor. I said, well, if you're going to work with these kids, you got to learn yeah. sign language. I picked up some Mandarin at one right. time. Seriously, I worked at a school called Seward Park High School. Right. I don't know how it is now, but I'm talking about almost 30 years ago. Right. But it was 80, 85% that we had Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, because right. it was right next to Chinatown. And I picked up some Mandarin. Same way. Okay, well, what's that there? And they would tell me the word, and I would say, so there we go. That's it for that's, this. That's it for that's this that's edition. That's we should spend a few moments talking about the various things we have on sale. Okay. Because one of the ways you can support Better in the Dark is by buying a book in which either Derek or myself or the both of us. Buy our shit. Buy our shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and that I can't us. put it no point in. It still amazes me that this thing that I wrote back in 2010 is finally showing a profit. Oh, yeah. We all knew going in. It was yeah. going to take a while because it was oh, so I thought many I was never going to get any royalties from How the West Was Weird. How the West Was Weird is a pretty good sell, but it's just that there's so many people I was involved in. It's just kind of sad that Russ is hanging the hat up after the third one. I guess he's just too busy. Back when he started it, it was he, just him and Trelane. Yeah, it was just him and Trelane. He didn't have two kids. Right. Maybe Russ wants to. Uh, yeah, I'm not speaking for you, Russ. This yeah. is just my conjecture. Maybe he wants to start working on stuff of his no, own. Right. And get back to right. Because 
Russ Anderson, folks, is a tremendously talented writer. There I've is a him. story. I've known him for years. In the 2012 Folk Works Christmas Annual that has to be read that Russ did. Oh, yeah, that story. That's that true. story is Creepy Sunday. That's what that is. He's written one even creepier than that. The I don't one know with the I, fungus. I've Did not you? seen the one with the Ooh, fungus. I don't know if I want to. No, see man, you don't want to read that one. I, you read that. You want to go wash after that. Yeah. That's serious. But I don't know how the West was weird. I feel very proud to have been a part of. I'm, I'm pleased that he wanted me for all three. Yeah. Remember, I tried to bow out of two. He was very insistent on that. He, I want you in this. And I have noticed that since the first one, there have been a number of weird Western anthologies. I have that noticed that as up. well, which is why that's one of my goals, as you know, for 2014, is to get enough you know, El Cuevo stories to actually have a collection of El Cuevo stories out. Oh, so even though How the Rest Was Weird was going to be gone, I'm sure I can find other places that will want Cuevo and Dolores to roam their earths. As well they should, because it's good characters concept you have and it should not be. I've noticed quite a few Weird West anthology mm-hmm. that have cropped up in the years. Since right. Also, the whole thing about El Cuevo was he was my tip of the hat to, to Carl Edward Wagner's cane. Oh, yeah. There are hints as to where he originated. And I always intended to be able to tell stories up and down the timeline so I can tell a story in 1930s Chicago if I wanted to with him. Right. I have an idea and I tried to develop it for How the West Was Weird too. With El Cuevo in space, actually. Speaking of ideas, I meant to send you an email. You yeah. know about Fight Card, right? The, the, yeah. The Luchador? No. You didn't know about that? I didn't. No, I, so I, did you even know about that? No. Yes, they're starting the Luchador line. Because you know they're doing the Fight Card romance. Yes. They got Fight Card Sherlock Holmes. It's coming out in December. Okay. And they're also Fight Card MMA, Mixed Martial Arts. Yeah, that I've seen. Okay, well, they're starting a Luchador line. And you know why I immediately thought of? Me? Yeah, so you ought to get in touch. So like what, you, you ought to get in touch with Paul So, Fisher. okay, we should explain what the fight cards, because you have a fight card. Brooklyn Beatdown. Brooklyn Beatdown. They're novellas, right? They're, They're novellas. Not, they are strictly e-books. They are 25,000, 30,000 at the most worth. They are books that are designed to be read in one or two cities. We're not talking about War and Peace here. The name Jack Tunney is just taken, of course, from Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney. That's the house name. It's like Kenneth Robeson, Bobby Nash. Right. He's written a fight card novel. Right. The e-books are published under the name of Jack Tunney. If you order the paperback, folks, hint, hint, the paperback has the name of the actual author. Right. Like, for okay. instance, if you got the e-book of Brooklyn Beatdown, it was, say, written by, by Jack, Jack Tunney. Tunney. But if you ordered the paperback, when you got the paperback and you looked at it, it was, say, written by Derek Ferguson. Ferguson. They're set in the 1950s. My offenses are set in 1954 Brooklyn, yeah. and my main character is a black guy who has come home from the war, and what has happened is that he wants to start up his own business. What he does is that he's a backroom brawler. He fights in the backrooms of bars and in warehouses so he can get the money, because he wants to get the money very quickly, but he doesn't want to be a professional boxer, and he doesn't want to get tied up in the whole right. smarmy fight game. Of course, he does, and hilarity ensues. Other books, like, for instance... The one that Paul Bishop has written. His main character is a Los Angeles police detective who is part of a scheme that the police have to keep the mafia out of Los Angeles. He has to step into the ring. There's another one place is a classic Robert E. Howard story that takes place in the South Seas. So the fight card books go all over the world. Okay. 
Because I have two of these downloaded. I'm looking to see what it says. So I am listening. Don't worry. I'm listening. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I, didn't no, I have my Kindle out, folks. And I'm just looking for, like, because I bought two of these. So I'm just looking for... Neither one of them are mine. Uh, I don't know which ones are yours. Brooklyn I got the Brooklyn Beatdown. You're probably right, because two of the earlier ones. Aha! Uh See what I mean, folks? So there's going to be luchadors and... Yeah, and I immediately thought of you. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it. you call in, you can get in on this. Okay, well, I'll look at this later, because we're almost finished with this. So yeah, so that's available now, Brooklyn Beatdown. Yep. Amazon.com, like I said, you can order the ebook, two ninety nine, mm-hmm. or you can order the paperback. Either way, right. it's a damn good read. If so I are there even more stuff. things that, that the fight card line is planning? Is there going to be, I don't know, fight card sumo? No, nah, don't laugh. There could well be. When the thing with the romance was... Yeah. Thing, and I said, oh, here we go. Bluff City Brawler. That's a fight card novel. Yeah, okay. I haven't read that. That's a, It's not Jack Tunney. It's Keith Lawrence. Yeah, when they announced the romance... I said, well, how is that going to work? And this is the first fight card book right. that's written by a woman. Paul, actually, Paul Bishop is very proud about that. Mm-hmm. Just as I am very proud that I wrote the first fight card book with African-American protagonists. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering how that was going to work. And apparently what it is is that this boxing that's going on and these guys beating each other in the hamburger. But there is a love story that's integrated right. in it. I haven't read it yet. I have it on my uh, computer. Yeah. Yeah, that you really want to contact them about the luchador thing and mm-hmm. see if you can get in on that. Okay. Yeah. A lot of fun, I think, for you. Yeah, you have a long history of writing, writing about luchadors. Writing yeah. luchadors. I mean, this is right up your alley. Right. Over at Pulp Wars Press, you can you can buy the first two extra volumes of How the West Was Weird and buy the uh, third volume when it comes out, uh, along with Campfire Tales. Which there was another Campfire Tales. Sebastian Red Story. Which is only available as an ebook. 99 cents. What a bargain. A bargain, bargain for, for me. me and you. <laughs> and of course, you can also pick up your brand new 10th anniversary edition of Dylan, Dylan and the Voice of Odin. Voice of Odin, yep. That's still on sale, as well as the other Dylan books. Mm-hmm. Dylan and Legend of Golden Bell. Four bullets for Dylan and Dylan and the Pirates of Zomera. Also, you can go to Pro Se Press and pick up the Adventures of Fortune McCall and maybe sometime in 2014. Return of Fortune Definitely McCall, in 2014. Which will feature Fortune McCall meeting up with Lazarus Gray. What else? Mechanoid Press. We're going to have Monster Earth 2 coming out, which will feature a new story from me yeah. called Giants of Industry. Mm-hmm. It's got a giant monster in it. Actually, two giant monsters. Duh. Thus the name, Monster <laughs> Earth. We're not calling it Housewife Earth, are we? No. Although sometimes a housewife can be a monster. Mmm. And finally, of course, Airship 27, where we've got a lot of good stuff. We've got the Real Agenda coming up from there. we got Mystery Men and Women, Volume 4, which will feature the final Mongol story. No, actually, it's just going to be another chapter. The current plan I have now, the story will be coming to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And when it does come to a conclusion, it's going to be packaged together as a Marvel novel. So we have kind of a way to go. All right. We get to there. But yeah. This is chapter three. Chapter right? three. So there will probably be about three or four more. And since they're about 15,000 words a piece, I'll have enough for Okay. Like a novel. So. And also in that same volume is A Waltz in Scarlet, the first Shadow Legion novella, mm-hmm. which features the ferryman and the dreamcatcher dealing with some spooky stuff. Because there's two stories in there that have been turning yours and. and I think it's Kurt. But Kurt's not doing his samurai character, right? Yeah, I think he is. I know the only two people that have been dragging their asses me and Tommy Hancock. Right. We haven't turned in our stories yet. 
And that's not because I don't know what I'm doing, folks. It's because I'm a busy man. I have no idea. <laughs> right. Let's take a look. I've got the, the most recent update here. Volume 4 is this Ferryman by myself. Mm-hmm. Eel and Adder by Joel Jenkins. Mongrel Chapter 3 by Derek, of course. And Dead DA by Tommy Hancock. Oh, okay. Third is in Volume 5, which will feature The Bagman by ah. Chris Bell. A Nightbreaker Story by myself. Round Recluse by Greg Glick. And Heary by Curtis Fernland. So you can get Curtis Fernland's first novel from Airship 27. The Queen which, of Escapes. Queen of Escapes. Guys, support Kurt. Kurt's a great guy. We hope to have him down here live in the BITD case real soon. I've read it already. And trust me wonderful book. It's constructed like those old Saturday morning cliffhangers where every chapter ends in a cliffhanger. Do it like I did. Because you know how I read it when Kurt first right. said it to me. Oh. I read one chapter a day. Because okay. since it ended off in a cliffhanger, I said, oh man, well let me leave off and let myself have the anticipation of getting back to it the next day. Okay, how'd she get out of this? It's a lot yeah. of fun reading it that way. And of course, Shadow Legion New Roads to Hell is available through Airship 27. Mm-hmm. So you got no excuse. Yeah, and I'm hoping to get the second book, which is a collection of novellas out sometime in 2004. 14? Not 2004. That would be pretty exciting. because Yeah, because that means you're done. The question would be, what kind of companion would I have? Hmm. Yeah, which one of the companions would I end up with? Seriously, you have any, any Doctor, Doctor Who companion. Doctor Who companion. Who would you have? Well, of course, the default answer would be Sarah Jane, because she is the greatest companion that ever lived. All right, well, let's take Sarah, because okay. Sarah Jane is Sean Connery. Yeah. Doctor Who companion. Well, I'll agree with you on she, that. She, on a shelf by herself, right. and then all the other companions on the show okay. up under that. So let's take Sarah Jane out of the equation. Oh, my Out of all the companions, that's like, you're a Time Lord. Matter of fact, what's your Time Lord name? The auteur, maybe. Tom. <laughs> no, no, okay, well, so far, the Time Lords that go out and do their adventuring, they have a title. That's the what doctor, I mean, yeah. The master, so maybe the auteur. So, of all the Doctor's companions, that's a tough decision because... Do I go for somebody like Martha, who has a lot of practical skills that could be of use to me? Or even better, like Liz Shaw mm-hmm. from the John Pertwee days. Wicked smart scientists can help me in the lab, can help me make stuff. Do I go with somebody like Jamie or... Jamie's a good choice. Yeah. Jamie's a good choice because Jamie can kick ass. Yeah. Or do I go for somebody like Donna, who is useful because of all of her varied knowledges through attempt? And is also a lot of fun to hang around. But also has the ball to call you on your yeah, shit. Yeah, that's the other thing. As you and I have talked yeah. about many times, I prefer the companions who give the doctor shit about mm. you, who call things. Or do I just go for the aesthetic pleasing? The you hot know? chicks. Do I go for, and you know who, if we're going to talk oh, about I, the hot chicks, there are two names that come up that float to the top immediately. Nicola Bryant, who played Perry during the Colin Baker era, and, of course, Karen Gillan. Now, I give you great respect, because see, when I first proposed this, I thought you were just going to pop out with her name first out <laughs> But you actually put some thought into this before you brought her name up. So, once yeah. again, you surprised me. No, because the thing is, is that, do you want to just go for the aesthetics? Do you, would I want to bang the old name? Right, yeah, yeah. Or do you want to go for somebody who might have Martha has aesthetics? I'd still want a banger, mm-hmm. but she's also got something useful. Right. She's bringing yeah, yeah. something to the party. Who can help you save the universe? Who best? can help me save the universe best? Exactly. As opposed to who do I want to bang when I'm not? When I'm not, not you know, when I'm not nemesizing When I'm not nemesizing evil. <laughs> if we're going for just the hot chicks, I would also throw in Jenna Louise Coleman. I mean, I, I think yeah, she yeah, is, yeah. She is yeah. wicked hot. Good, good choice. But there, it's a tough decision. Mm-hmm. You, you let me lose like a kid in the candy store. 
but I will guarantee you whatever. I will never make any of them wear a pirate outfit. Oh, boy. <laughs> In joke. On that note. On that note, let so, me bring this to... We're not just me amigas. We bring this to... Este, better in the dark, con Derek Ferguson y Tomas Deja. Next summer, catch us on Telemundo. On Telemundo. Tomado Jacopé. Until next time, go watch that Danny Trejo movie. Thank you. Good night. God bless. But not all comments were as classy as mine. I'd like to share a few gems I found right after. This is coming from Lifewater Love. She's a whore and just needs to stop acting like one. Damn. That's not too much love there, Life Water. We clawed, we chained our hearts. You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Johnny Krug of Kruger Nation, Jake Fogelnest of the Fogelnest Files, the Soda Jerker crew, Eric Froman, of course, all the lovely members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark doesn't text, but it does tweet, so keep listening for details. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at bitdshow. And check out all the amazing music available at www.b-hyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas D.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that Fight Club Sumo is a surefire bestseller. So somebody get on that! This is Kenny Black. She tries so hard to twerk. Why does she even try when she's shaking something she doesn't have? Gosh, my little brother can twerk better than you. Ha ha. Hey, what are you doing watching your little brother twerk?